This podcast should not be considered as medical or legal advice. If you are looking for such advice, then do contact a professional. But please find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective, as well as why the common collective resists new information. Fabiola, how are you doing? Hey, Leo. Doing great. Well, how are we, you? I, I am fantastic. And uh, what we have today is going to be an excellent episode to close out season six. Woohoo! We have a guest that I came across a uh, not long ago, I guess it was a little over a week ago, maybe 10 days ago. Um, and uh, we were we've been saying, you know, uh, in this, um, you know, this drama that has unfolded with the pandemic, you know, and obviously, there are a lot of personalities, uh, even ones that we've talked to uh, that are talking about the uh, the sham or the weaknesses of virology, you know, said it'd be nice if somebody made a documentary, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of walked people through that. And yeah. lo and behold, someone has done it. Woohoo! And we have uh, the team who is uh, bringing that documentary, or I should say is brought as it is released. I think it came out in April, if I'm correct, but we'll check in with the team here once we uh, get them on the line. Um, and uh, let me just do a quick intro of those individuals. Um, Mike Wallach is the founder of Paradigm Shift Pictures and is the director and co-producer with Diara, otherwise known as DJ Leslie, of its film series, The Viral Delusion, which has received extraordinary early reviews. Dr. John Bevan Smith called the series immensely important and beautifully made. Dr. Vinnie Costa said, it's amazing, should be translated into every language in the world. And Dr. Sam Bailey explains, the viral delusion is incredibly important and absolutely incredible, a masterpiece. Mike is a graduate of Cornell University who holds a master's degree in international affairs from Columbia University. Mike went on to become a presidential management fellow with the State Department as a Middle East analyst. His reports were delivered directly to the White House, the Pentagon, and the National Security Council. As he became frustrated with the constant misuse of his work, he left the government to pursue his dream of filmmaking. His first feature film, known as The Bay, was helmed by Oscar-winning director Barry Levinson of Wag the Dog and Good Morning Vietnam fame and distributed globally by Lionsgate Pictures. The Viral Delusion is his first documentary film. So we've got Mike and DJ on the program, which they'll be on in a second, and uh, uh, we're going to dive into this uh, um, documentary series that they created, which I believe is uh, five parts, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, The initial episode is approximately two and a half of the seven hours of content, and it is free. It can be viewed at their website, theviraldelusion.com. And then if you get uh, what you need from that, then you you don't have to pay anything. If you (laughs) want to learn or go more in depth on uh, the topics that they 
uh, tease out in that initial two and a half hours, then you can pay $11.99 to get access to the remaining four episodes. A uh, bargain. A bargain, yes, yes. For information that will change your life and your paradigm forever. And so we're going to dive into that today. What were the motivations and, uh, you know, what do they hope happens out of creating this documentary? Because uh, I'm sure as everyone can imagine, it's not easy to produce something like that and get everyone on and board promote. and promote it. So we're going to kind of talk through all that, the challenges and uh, the, uh, the wins that they've had. And uh, uh, we think it's going to be interesting. All so. right. All right. Well, without further ado, let's bring them on. All right, Mike, DJ, can you hear us? Uh, yep. All right. Excellent. Well, we're so glad to have you guys on the program. And, you know, as I read through your bio, Mike, I was noticing that I didn't have a ton about DJ. DJ, did you want to add anything as far as uh, your background? We know you're, you're, you know you're part of the production group that's, that's uh, put this uh, documentary series together. But is there anything else to, that you want to add just about yourself or, 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 uh, or anything? Uh, no, I'm just like an enthusiastic researcher, uh, always trying to learn more. Um, as a young guy, um, looking for truths and and things I can stand on firmly. So uh, just research and plants, uh, law. I try to dive into it all and try to gain skills to like be a human being on this earth. So um, excellent. As a young guy, just trying to learn stuff. Um, Amazing. Awesome enough. Well, you look very wise with with yeah. the beard. I love it. <laughs> now. Mike, after reading your bio, um, I did check out the um, the trailer for The Bay. <laughs> and I couldn't I, watch it. She, could, she couldn't watch it. She, she, she just cannot watch horror movies, which is weird because she can watch Narcos on, oh you know, because she's like, well, that's where I come well, from. I, I come can't from watch the... it anymore. Okay. I could go so many seasons and but, I'm like, okay, I'm done with it. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you about the Bay because even though I haven't seen the film, I mean, it seems like there are some themes, right? Because even in the trailer, it seems like they're immediately thinking this thing is a is a infectious disease and then it's and then it ends up being maybe parasitic and then God knows what it ends up being because <laughs> I, I I didn't get much further than that but what were, were you already having uh, this viral influences from what you were consuming and from what was going on in your life influence your your, your writing you know weirdly no okay <laughs> It wasn't like you were predicting the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, okay, so I was trying to make it as a screenwriter. And it, it's it's so, it's just weird. I was trying to make it as a screenwriter, and I had written a, a script about something totally different, about the CIA's involvement in the heroin trade. Oh, wow. And and I hadn't gotten anywhere get, getting that produced, but it got in front of this director at Barry Levinson, and he called and said, look, uh, I live on the Chesapeake Bay, and it's really polluted, and I don't want to make another documentary about that because nobody watches documentaries. Mm -hmm. um, Except for me. I love Yeah, I love documentaries, too. <laughs> yeah, and me, and me, too. Yeah. Ouch, I just made one. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but he was like, look, let's, let's see if we can, like, do something that's more commercial, like, get more eyes on the on the." pollution that's in the bay and so it's kind of the other way around like i i started doing research i was like okay well what is going on in the chesapeake bay like why is it what it's okay it's really polluted like how polluted is it and you're just like i was just like after a while i was like oh, holy 
crap. Like it's it's insanity. Right. <laughs> like it's, it's it's mayhem. Like what's going on in this bay, you know? And I don't want to give too much away because it's that that's kind of like the unraveling of the film. Right, like right. In order to understand the mystery of what's happening to this town, you have to actually like peel apart all the layers of what's going in to the Chesapeake Bay. Like like what's created this Godzilla? Like how did it happen? You know. <laughs> And that's interesting because I was actually going to ask you just about screenwriting in general because I have a friend I know here locally who's a screenwriter. He got his first film picked up by a studio and, and they made it. And, and he was telling the story about how he's like, you don't understand how hard it is just to get your screenplay uh, produced. He goes, so I mean, even though the movie... I wouldn't like if I didn't make it, I probably wouldn't give it a very good grade. But just because I wrote it, I'm going to give it a seven because I'm just telling you, it's so hard to get things made. And he goes, you wouldn't believe how different the movie is from when I wrote it to when it came to screen because they change like everything. So, I mean, it's only maybe I don't remember what he said. You know, maybe it's 55 percent what he wrote and I, I is that this is that your experience but it doesn't it doesn't sound like on this one because you were kind of you were kind of asked to write something about this that that would be your experience yeah, but I was mean, it i mean first of all it's a, it's, it's a bizarre movie i mean it's, it's, it's a really really bizarre film like I'm, I'm proud of it in, in a lot of ways, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, it changed a lot. It, that's just kind of the process. Right. You know what I mean? Also, like, I think it depends on the quality of the writing. Like if, if the writing's really a, a phenomenal, like I, I think people are, don't want to change it. They're like, right. Gosh, gosh, phenomenal. Right. you know, and it's like my sh shitty writing, like <laughs> you know, everybody's going, okay, well maybe we can fix this and <laughs> maybe we can figure something out here. So like, yeah, it, it changes. It's a pride. It's a lot of people who are like in the stew and sometimes you get something that's really awesome and sometimes you don't. And sometimes you get something that's in the middle. Mm -hmm. I think there were like aspects. It's, it's again, it's a fun movie. It's, it's like hardly a, a classic. It, but, it does um, seem like, you know, like when you, I went to the trailer and then I went to a couple other sites, it does seem like it has a, a bit of a following in the, what they called the um, found footage category. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, and I was yeah, like, oh, you know, kind of like Blair Witch or something. And I'm like, oh, okay. And everybody's like, yeah, it, it's really good. I love those type of movies. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm going to check this out when uh, Fabby's away for an evening because she won't watch horror to movies. Do so it by himself, and then tell it's me not later. That scary. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I just no, remember, you know, the parasite coming out of the fish, and I go like, ah, I, I, I can't you know, watch that. That's like one of everybody's favorite. There was a throwaway line in the script, and everybody it worked really well on camera. Like who who would have thought? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. No, <laughs> it's like some stupid puppet that we had, you know that we had on, on set. And cool. it actually that's people love that that yeah. moment. So it was so spooky. Well, you know, and and then I I wanted to also just con you know about your bio because I I do think I do find it important that people the people who make things I think are often as important as the, as the, you know, the actual product itself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I thought it was interesting, your, your background, uh, working for the state department and, uh, you know, obviously we can't get away from the political nature about how virology has been weaponized. And, you know, I wondered that experience you had, cause I know in the bio, you said, you know, you didn't like how your, the, the reporting that you were providing was being misused, 
uh, by the agencies that you were delivering it to. And I just wondered, did you see back then how narratives were created, you know, for not good purposes? And did that really help influence you down this track to continue to investigate where maybe a lot of people would have hit walls and, and given up? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many parallels to the military industrial complex. I mean, even, you know, Klaus, uh, Schwab. in the, in the documentary talk, Oh yeah. you know, what, what's that? I thought you were going to say Klaus Schwab. No, uh, <laughs> Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. That, guy. I mean, that guy's out of a James Bond movie. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going through a James Bond marathon with my son right now. And it's, you, you couldn't make it up. I mean, this guy's right out of a Bond movie. Like the, the, the outfit, the accent, the world domination plan, you yeah. know. The whole, or Austin the, the Powers. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 right? Are they like, are they just messing with us? Because this is, are we just, you know. It's, it's it is goofy. Absurd. It's very goofy. It's too, right? I yeah, mean, too, too, it is. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, to go back to, I guess, a slightly more serious note yeah there's so many parallels um so i mean one is just how intelligence is created you know by by intelligence agencies and 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 government agencies they want to spin a narrative and they'll go out and they'll gin up intelligence that forms the core of that narrative right and and then after that they don't really have to do anything else once they've formed that little piece so you know everybody i mean it's sort of like obvious at this point that everybody knows that the in the iraq war you know, the, the, the little piece of evidence was, you know, a, a couple of, uh, I think it was even just one in, intelligence report that, that had been sent in from Iraq that was, you know, sort of papered up and then given to Colin Powell for him to, you know, then say, you know, we think Saddam Hussein has weapons of mass destruction. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just this, you know, it, it goes through this process, but it starts in the intelligence world. It starts with like various, I, I don't know, operatives or agents or something and then they've got to send that information up right like no nobody will just start with nothing they have to go and they have to they have to gin up something that's at least semi-authentic that that has the 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 feel of authenticity to it and Mm -hmm. then they can work from there they can build a whole narrative out of that it's like a Uh, screenplay it's (laughs) like a screenplay it really is i mean you know you have yeah and, and I mean, and it was the same thing. I mean, I've talked a lot about it, but like when I was doing research for the film and I wanted to see like what the New York Times had done, I wanted to track the reporting of it. And, you know, one of the first things they did was they, they edited like a, an eight minute horror movie set in Wuhan. It was a little documentary report from Wuhan, but they, they actually set it to horror music. Oh, really? And you're like, what, 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 is, what are they doing setting a news report to horror music? This was in like, I think this was early February of, you know, uh, 2020. Um, so it was before it had actually become a pandemic or anything. And, you know, they were using B-roll footage of like the, uh, of cranes at work building hospitals, claiming that the Chinese were already like so overwhelmed that they had to build new hospitals, <laughs> which was completely not true, you know? So it was like they, they had already created this, this, this horror narrative. And, mm-hmm. and so you can see, you know, how this stuff builds out, but, you know, in, in working for the State Department, everybody's PR. Like, that that's what I discovered. At, at least at the State Department, like, 99% of that agency is just a PR agency. And they're essentially a PR agency for the military. Right. And, mm-hmm. and he was like, I was like, oh, sh-. 
Jesus Christ. Like, I, I don't want to do that. Like, that's that's not what I signed up for, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I did have a thought around, you know, your your motivation is like what you guys hope to get out of the um, the uh or what you like, you hope to see happen as a result, obviously education, but I mean, I didn't know if it was a overall shift for what you want to do as a filmmaker, because I have to think that you had maybe some worries about potential blacklisting and stuff like that, because you, you come out with stuff like this. You're part of now the, you're the counter narrative, right? And, and uh, you know, if you're working in Hollywood, I mean, I, obviously I don't work in Hollywood, but I mean, it, Hollywood wants to follow the narrative, you know, mostly. So I just didn't know. Well, at least that's our perception. That's our impression. We're not in yeah. Hollywood. But how did you chew, like, sync up and say, hey. Let's do this. Yeah. We're going to do this this movie. <laughs> and what are the people that are, I mean, we work? I mean, you know, honestly, I just such an extraordinary story that, no, like, nobody was telling. Like, really, like, this is, like, the, the most extraordinary story I've ever come across. Mm-hmm. And I have to um, agree with And that. nobody was telling the story. So yeah. I was like. Like, okay, well, let's just do it. Like, we'll just figure everything else out later. But, okay. Um, you know, that, that was kind of my take. DJ, how, how did you feel about it? Yeah, I was trying to explain this to everybody had, like, come across. Um, I wanted to, like, help my fellow man, like, not be so scared anymore. And I was, like, going and showing them bits and pieces. And I really wanted to show them everything. So when it was great to, like, to make this uh, film because, like, it describes, like, everything I could. And it shows them everything. So mm-hmm. I'm really happy to get that out into the world, how did you guys like first how for us it was Dr. Cowan really we listened to him talking. We weren't scared of pandemics or anything. We kind of know, you know, how to take care of ourselves and our kids. Uh so we weren't scared, but I had never heard about, you know, people questioning the existence of viruses except for one time and I was like, okay, that sounds crazy. I mean, how did you guys run into that concept of virology might not might be a complete hoax, which your documentary displays that argument very well. Um well I mean for me you know it goes the medical research goes like for me it goes way back like more than ten years. Oh. Uh, more than fifteen years now actually. Back to when my wife had a condition where where her knees were blowing up and, and I I'm sorry I've Told the story a bunch of times. So I'll, I'll try mm-hmm. to tell it sort of quickly. Sure. And uh, and and she she basically couldn't walk, and uh, and she went to all these rheumatologists in New York City, and they all told her the same thing, which is uh, you have arthritis, and uh, it's probably genetic. We don't really, you know, we, we don't really know, uh, but you know, you, you're not going to be able to to walk without a cane. I mean, you just basically you have to get a cane, and we can we can alleviate it a little bit with a steroid treatment, but that's it. Like, mm-hmm. sadly, this is, you know, my wife is 30 and like, you know, we were walking down the streets in Brooklyn and she's walking with a cane and it's just, it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we ended up going, uh, to see this, this doctor, uh, he, he was the former, uh, chief pathologist at a big hospital in New York. And he had quit because he's so frustrated with the, the system yeah. and, uh, and started his own practice. And, and he, like my wife walked in to see him and he basically was like, look, are you, are you an athlete? And she's like, no, I'm not an athlete. He was like, okay. Um, what does your bathroom look like? And, and, and she was <laughs> like, what is, you know, that's such a weird question. You know, that's such a weird question. But she was like, actually, I, I hate my bathroom. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, and he was like, yeah, is the paint peeling on the walls? And she's like, yeah, it is peeling on the walls. He's like, yeah, okay. You probably have a mold allergy. And you should just, you should get out of that apartment and it'll probably go away. 
Mm-hmm. We'll run some tests to confirm it, but that's that's probably what's going on. So we did, mm-hmm. and um, we left like two weeks later. We like just got right out, and um, and it completely went away. And that was <laughs> 16 years ago. Wow, that's amazing. So then you dove into so, the research. You're like, what? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so it was kind of like I was like, wow. Like, I, I was such a normal person. Like you know, like I, I, my whole normative outlook was just like to just trust the system like just trust the system yeah. is so gargantuan and it's 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 so large you don't you don't even see it you know yeah. and um that but then once once my eyebrows were raised and, and my wife as well um then we started looking at the question of vaccines when when my wife was pregnant mm-hmm. and again we, it was like well let's just it was kind of like let's just do this out of due diligence like we don't we didn't really suspect to find anything negative about mm-hmm. them it was just like, let's just do our due diligence and let's yeah. read like, just, you know, my wife, the first book she read was by Mary Holland at Children's Health Defense. And um, it was just about the, this kind of covered up legal history of uh, vaccines. Mm-hmm. And she was blown away. She was like, oh, my God, like, this is nuts. Like, this, this, is, this is a massive story, you know, mm-hmm. really alarming. And so then that led us into, you know, more than a year of like, almost full-time vaccine research where we wanted to tease everything out and try to make a really informed decision. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and so the big, like the really big thing, the light bulb that went off in that research was that I I think there's a lot of people that know that, that there's like a certain danger to vaccines, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's kind of gotten out there. But they think it's like minuscule one in a billion or something. Right, 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 right. It's yeah. it's marginalized. Yeah, it's marginalized. Like, oh, but it's, it's sort okay. of like, yeah, it's it, it, you know, it's sort of like, um, what you like the like the people who die in a war, but but like, but who have to. It's, like it's the, the greater good, right? Yeah, the greater good. You know, for the good of us all. Like some people are gonna, you know. Yeah. But but you should still do it. But, but that, so that story is kind of known. It's obviously it's it's um, once you once you actually read the literature, you realize it's been like wildly minimized. But. Yep. What I was really shocked to discover was that for the 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 great diseases that we are uh, of the past that we always that I had always thought had been eradicated by vaccines mm-hmm. that that wasn't the case. I know that, your that documentary shows that so well. Yeah, it blew my mind. You yeah. know, there's this like the case like it's it's it, it's been so pumped into the public imagination that you know that vaccines eradicated smallpox mm-hmm. and that vaccines eradicated polio yeah and that you know uh vaccines eradicated pertussis and mm-hmm. all these things all these diseases but if you actually study the history like if you actually read both the mainstream literature and the critical literature it's it's obvious that that's not that's not the case yeah mm-hmm. it's just a, it's just that's a claim but it's yeah. not actually a true claim yeah. and it's, it's it's really clear mm-hmm. so i had discovered that in in the research, but I didn't know. So I, I still didn't know this about the, the the whole question of viruses. This is a really long answer. Is this okay? Am I, it's I'm, okay. Yeah, you're, you're, you're 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 on. Okay. So I still didn't. I hadn't even thought about the question of viruses. But what had what I had unearthed from all these like brilliant doctors and, and journalists and scientists who had been writing for like 150 years was that uh, not only had vaccines not been effective they 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 were sort of like a red herring like they they weren't even related to to why these people had been getting sick or in originally 
mm-hmm. right? And so the classic case of that is is polio, yeah. where we're you know we're told the story that you know uh, this this virus emerged basically and, and ravaged people basically at the beginning of the 20th century. Of course, there's there's claims of polio from before that, and that but essentially that it, it you know this virus just took off at the beginning of the 20th century. And then it was was going to you know ravage uh, the world, but then was stopped by the the polio vaccine. Mm-hmm. And and the, the the much more compelling story is that the the reason we saw a rise in childhood paralysis at the beginning of the 20th century um, wasn't just some bizarre fluke of nature. It was the rise in in, in the use of organophosphates mm-hmm. as industrial chemicals. Yeah. And 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 we had seen small isolated cases of paralysis and childhood paralysis before that. And those had also been linked to uh, industrial chemicals that had been used uh, in the past. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and the case is, is very, very, very strong. I mean, if you really dig in and you read like Jim West's book, uh, in particular, Polio, uh, Toxicity versus Virology, you can, you can see that, that it's, it's an overwhelming case. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also read, you know, The Moth and the Iron Lung, another book that, that really looks at the, the charts like town by town, the use of, of uh, organophosphates and the concordant rise in polio in those same places. And, it's, and we don't see a sort of spreading epidemic as one might imagine the sort of virus, imaginary virus uh, theory plays out. So not only had vaccines not eradicated diseases as we had believed, uh, which is a whole other story that we could talk about. But also, it was, it be, was becoming clear to me that, there, that the, the actual causes for disease were being hidden, you know, largely for political reasons, for, you know, political economy reasons. And so I was sort of primed to understand a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then, it, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's so much that's been written on this historically that we could sort of talk for days about it. Yeah. That sort of led up to, I think the, you know, being open to looking for, for what might be going on when people are getting sick and, and it, the claim of a virus is just slapped on it. Oh, it's a virus. That's yeah. it. Let's just put that label on it. And it's the flu it or it's a virus. Well, yeah. And, you, and what about for DJ though? I wanted to see what his, uh, yeah. DJ, was you, do you have a similar path to it? Yeah. What was your light bulb moment? Yeah. It's a little different. Uh, I still <laughs> ended up with mistrust of the medical system in the end, a distrust. Like I can always look back at these things like in life from great, horrible time period. And during that time period it's very difficult, rough, but after, after you can look back and say, wow, through that process, I learned so much. So oh, yeah. many times in my life, I'm learning these. I can look back at my brother when he got um, cancer when I was about 23. We were like twins. So like, oh, wow. we like really, they called us Melos and like, they called us like, we looked just the same. So he's a little older than me though. Mm-hmm. So he got cancer. And when it happened to him, it, like, it felt like it could have been me because we were very similar, eating all the same foods. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're in the hospital, like trying to get him better and listening to the doctor. We had a little distrust. I was never vaccinated, so we had a little distrust. Oh, that's amazing. When things get rough, when things get rough, you like, you kind of start like saying, oh, I had to believe the doctor or else like it's not going to turn out good. We listen to the doctor and we're like, so what's the diet that we should proceed with to like make his recovery and like really keep his health up? And she just looked at us and said, like, eat whatever you want. Ice cream, chocolate cake. Mm -hmm. And we all just looked around like, wait a minute. This is not hospice. Like, this is you. Are you are you trying to save my brother? Are you trying to like 
do the opposite here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We're trusting you with his life, with right. his life. But after that moment and before it, but we like we didn't feed any hospital food to him. He didn't eat one <laughs> drop of it. We Amazing. He got a stem cell transplant and he's doing wonderful. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. You were yeah, lucky. You, you had good parents. <laughs> yeah. Did their yeah. research. <laughs> yeah, I was off to a good start. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Build off what they, they How did you choose Sync Up, though, for this project? Um, do you want to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were, like, both nerding out about this stuff, like... Watching the did you know? Movie. Did you know each other beforehand, or a local like um, elder in the community, really knowledgeable person about law and stuff like that, was was standing up for rights on the in the community square. And he was gathering with other people who mm -hmm. liked freedoms and rights. Mm -hmm. They were gathering every Sunday. It was a wonderful place to be because everybody's like masked up and like children being like pulled away from other strangers and like it's all like weird. <laughs> and we're out there like elders, like elder people, all hugging. And I'm like, these are the people that are supposed to be scared. This I know. Yeah. <laughs> this beautiful place. Yeah. So uh, they were gathering at the green, and a friend. Well, we know he he um, Mike caught my name, and he he had heard, uh, he had he had heard uh, we have a mutual friend. So we started talking, and we we're at this gathering of at the green of people that are saying we're out in the sunshine, we're not gonna get it. We have strong immune systems, mm -hmm. and I was glad to be there, like like standing up for like the children and rights. Yeah. But I was, it like, hurt me a little bit inside. So Mike might have mentioned, like, monkey kidney cells or, like, lack of isolation. And we were like, what? What? <laughs> so, so then we started hanging out, like, all the time. Oh. Just, like, just showing you, like, yo, you saw that? Yeah, I saw that too, man. That's, that's crazy, right? Yeah. And we just, like, we were curious. We really wanted to, like, find out if we were wrong, what we were, the tree we were barking up was correct. But, yeah, I remember uh, this, the elder in the community passed away, but... She was amazing. She sent me a video of Stefan Lanka, and it's this video of, you know, the 1990s video of, like, with the vials and everything. And I'm fascinated. I watched that video, like, 10 times. And like, <laughs> I just kept kept going. And um, and it was, it was really fascinating, this whole process, to see that that old video he put out is, like, his, his arguments has never been, like, even, like, like, entertained. It's just still there standing, like, there's a lack of isolation. The, the virus has never been isolated for, for since 1990s. I know. Still to this day, nobody can address it. It's like... And I had never seen anything before the pandemic about this. But, you know, on that topic, you know, something that, that I took out of the, the, the film series, because we actually focused on... Um, Kerry Mullis a lot in the podcast and, uh, uh, you, you focus on him a little bit and then you also focus on Peter Duisburg. To me, Duisburg is like the crux. Was that a situation where, uh, he's 85. He just doesn't want to do this stuff anymore. I mean, cause I, I have to think, you I mean, he wrote a book about it with Mullis right in the foreword, about you know, what? About, about, about the AIDS scam. And, AIDS. and this is like a repeat, but you'd think if he's 85, he's like, I'm going to go out guns blazing. Or is he, is he just, is, is he ill? Does he, he doesn't do, I mean, I, I just didn't know. Cause you guys focused a lot on the Deuceberg story, but I didn't know if, did you guys reach out to, to him? Yeah, I reached out to, I reached out to him and, um, it was a little bit, um, you know, we, we had a little short uh, back and forth over email, and then uh, and he he said he said what what papers would you like me to take a look at, mm -hmm. you know, um, and talk about, and I was really excited, and I sent him like, you know, I think I sent him like the first three or four papers out of Wuhan, 
And, um, and then I never heard back from him again. Oh. And I think, um, and, and then I found out that, that he had, he had had a stroke. Ah, okay. Well, this is what I was wondering because I was like, he's 85. Maybe he's, he's not in, in great health anymore. Um, and then obviously we lost Carrie Mullis right before the pandemic starts, which you have to think if Mullis was around, this would be a totally different conversation we'd be having. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, in this day and age of, of how interviews traffic across the internet, you know, compared to what he experienced back when AIDS was happening and you had to really rely on a news agency to report on something, uh, you would think that Mullis would be right because he was kind of a firecracker. Oh, man, he got, I mean, if you look at those, those old interviews. Yeah. I mean, just like the, the, the you know, <laughs> he, he was not only like this brilliant, absolutely brilliant scientist and, and free thinker and, you know, um, but, but he was also, you know, completely outspoken on, yeah. on you know, what a fraud Fauci was. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he's got these great clips. You could see he was like, look, you know, the major news stations have called me for an interview. And, you know, instead of doing the interview, what I'd like to do is, you know, show up at, uh, at Robert Gallo's house. Robert Gallo, for people who don't know, was the, the scientist that, that, that claimed that uh, he had shown that HIV causes AIDS and, and, and claimed that he had even found HIV. The HIV even exists. This was Robert Gallo's claim. Yeah. And, and Carrie Mullis was like, you know, look, let's not do an interview with, you know, ABC News sitting down with me and asking me questions. Like, let's, let's go to um, Robert Gallo's house and, and have me, you know, take him on and, and, and show what a fraud he is. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, look, I'll tell you what's going to happen. I'll knock on his door and, and, and he won't answer it because he's, he's too scared to talk to me. <laughs> and you guys can, you guys can just film that, you know, that, that was, he was desperately trying to find a way to show what a, what a fraud it was. And I mean, yeah, of course, I think without a doubt, uh, the optics on COVID would have been totally different. Um, mm-hmm. if, if Gary Mullis were around. But, you know. Well, and you you um, you kind of blew my mind in the the film because um, there was a there was an aspect of AIDS that I was unfamiliar with, and it lines up with COVID really well. But you you guys pointed out through the interviews that uh, you know I think it was Rasnick maybe that that, that mentioned uh, that because um, I think I grew up and I, I don't know about you guys I'm 46 but but I, I grew up believing that. Uh, AIDS had specific symptomology. And it really seems like, at least from what was discussed by Rasnick and whatnot, they just were continuing to lump these existing diseases into this, this uh, um, you know, the, the, the CDC was putting it in the paper. So if you had these diseases and then you had a positive PCR test, well, now you were, you, th- that was AIDS. That was AIDS presenting in that way. Am I misunderstanding that, or was that kind of what what what, what the the point was be, that was being made? I, I think you're you're explaining it really well. I mean, I, I think if you know, for people, it's it's well worth you know for your, for your audience if, if they don't already know the story, and I'm sure they, they they probably do at this point. But if they don't, it's really well worth going back and understanding exactly uh, what happened with AIDS, and that, and so we did an episode about it, you know, in the series, um, because it's so mind-blowing, but it's also, it's so educational, because you can see it just, you know, I mean, just like, that commercial that you show alone, because I was in Brazil at that time, and so the narrative was the same, but 
you know, show, shown through um, different people like the hemophilics, I think. Hemophiliacs. He, hemophiliacs. That's, they were like the poster child for, for AIDS because you're getting transfusions and they were getting sick apparently, and then they died. So that was the story there. But I mean, right. that commercial you show with all the, the, the ominous, the scary music. The Grim Reaper. Oh and all my that. gosh. What was that? I, we never got exposed to that down in Brazil, but that was like, even with that commercial alone, I mean, it should have been a spark for suspicion. I mean, what is going yeah, on? Yeah, this is over being here? oversold a little bit here, you know. <laughs> How did you find that? I mean, do you remember? Do you remember that? I, I do not remember that ad myself, but um, I, I do remember the hysteria of it at the time. Even the I, children falling dead. <laughs> that was crazy. Oh, I mean, I, I remember. I remember my girlfriend calling me in tears and and saying look i've got to tell you something and i think i was like 18 19 she's like i've got to tell you something and uh and she was crying and i was like what is it and she, and she was gonna um she's like i can't tell you over the phone it's too serious and i was like oh my god all right well she's like i'm coming over and i was like and i hung up the phone and i thought oh my god she's got it you know like, <laughs> she can't tell me on the phone you know and, and like i'm gonna I'm going to die. Like, what if I, you know? Yeah. And then she came over, you know, like, so for 45 minutes, like, I thought I had AIDS. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a movie. You know, I think it was called it 13. Was, and that's what I watched uh, back it then. Was so, <laughs> it, that was terrifying. Was there a movie like this? Yeah, 13? it was called 13. And I remember watching it. I was probably like 13 or 14 at the movie mm. theaters. Basically, these young people that one girl specifically got AIDS just by accident. So there was the, the girlfriend that was sleeping around and she didn't sleep around. She slept with one person, I think. And then she went and got the test and for whatever reason, I don't know even why she went to get the test and they told her it was positive. And then it was like the whole drama about how it spread it from her then because she was positive and it was, it was completely complete propaganda for teenagers back then so of course yeah. i never questions like yeah aids you know you can get it if you get it you're dead yeah, classes yeah like school classes just for that oh yeah like, and in like, high school i also remember yeah there was a lady that came uh to our school and she was saying how she had aids and she was trying to educate everybody in class but she said interestingly enough my husband and my son don't have AIDS because she had just found out like a year before after having been married and having kids and tested positive. And they were like studying her husband and her son. <laughs> and how come they didn't get it? And she did. And then now to watch, you know, your documentary and seeing how the test is fraudulent and all that, I'm like, this is not so that 25 years later, that's when I come across this information. And that lady was suffering, you know, for God knows how long with this, you know, diagnoses. It's a circus. It's a tragedy. Mm -hmm. it's, it's mayhem. It's fraud. It's yeah. the outright lying. I mean, just to, just to finish the story. So my, my girl yep. shows up at, at my house and, and she looks at me and she goes, um, you know, I'm like, well, what, you know, what is it? You know, what happened? And, and what's going on? And, and she says, oh, I, uh, I slept with somebody else. <laughs> and, and I said, and I said did, did you use a condom? Did he use a condom? And she said, well, yeah. And I said, oh, that's great. Oh, awesome. <laughs> you're, you're like, 
Oh my God. I thought you were going to tell me. Exactly. <laughs> she was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, I completely don't care. Like, that's great. Oh, good for you. Have fun. And, that's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, but you know, it was like, it was just for me too. Like 25 years later, it was only, you know, decades later that I discovered that, that the whole, you know, HIV exists and causes AIDS is a fraud. And I mean, there's, there's a million different ways that you can, you, you can look at it and people have written hundreds of books and spoken out, you know, so many times and, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter because the, the media, the machine just doesn't, it just chooses that stuff. I mean, Hollywood too, right? Well, I, I yeah. thought, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. I, I was looking up Deuceberg, you know, just to kind of understand his title and all that. And, and, uh, you know, the Wikipedia is so crazy because, you know, they, they invent these terms, you know, like, like AIDS denialism, you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it's so crazy. Anti-vaxxers. It's all these pejoratives. Yeah. You know, that the, the you can't, you, you, they, they just creates this mountain that you can't get past to actually look at the data. But what I thought was more interesting, like in his Wikipedia, is that they go on at length about how he was uh, demoralized and, and that, you know, he, he really ruined his career. But they didn't really ever say what was wrong. You know what I mean about what he what he said. In fact, they even said that that the school uh, thought about uh, you know reprisal on him and the getting rid of him. He was on. The university, and then they they dropped it because they couldn't find enough information. <laughs> so I mean, they just ruined this guy in the uh, in the Wikipedia, and then they say that the university who has the most at stake, they couldn't get rid of him because there wasn't really enough. There wasn't really any data to 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 Get do so. Out. It's just it's just so crazy. That's see, this is the thing. It's like DJ and I were talking about this every day, like constantly. You know, uncovering these stories, story after story after story. I mean, there's just there's endless stories. I mean, yeah. you know, no, we were just talking. You just know, we talking. were just talking about it every day. Just you know, two guys who live in Woodstock who are witnessing the descent into the twilight zone. <laughs> you know, and trying to you know. <laughs> figure out what the heck's going on and you know i mean just just to go back just so that people understand i mean like here's you know you're talking about hemophiliacs mm-hmm. um uh getting getting you know getting aids and well so look, there, there's one scientist who pointed out uh it, it, I, I hope i get this right because uh it's a it's a true and important story but it, it was a long time ago that i read it so i i, I may get this a little wrong but but basically you know the, the, the claim was that that hemophiliacs were getting uh aids through blood transfusions yeah Okay, but what you know, what what nobody talked about when when they reported that story, is that the blood that they were getting that was being transfused was actually being powdered before it was before it was rehydrated and given to people. Okay, and it was sitting on a shelf for months at a time. Okay, and and even according to the the most conservative virologists, or, or or I won't say the most conservative, I'll say the most outlandish. Virologists, even the most outlandish virologists, uh, admit that a, a a so-called virus could not live in a dried powder for you know three months at a time. It's it's an absurd idea, even to this, you know, to, within their own science fiction, right? Mm-hmm. It's like totally absurd, mm-hmm. uh, and and yet they were they were passing on this idea that was commonly you know bandied about. That hemophiliacs were getting, you know, this this HIV virus. Well, how the hell were they getting it if it was sitting in dried powder for months at a time? There's there's no cell for it to live in. There's no active living cell for it to 
replicate, right. blah, 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 and tell their whole fiction story. But, you know, the media wouldn't report on that. And, um, and but that was that was covered in the scientific literature mm-hmm. that was put out there. But, you know, those scientific articles or those scientific letters to the editor and so on, you know, they wouldn't they weren't covered in the major scientific journals right. because the major scientific journals are, you know, part and parcel of this whole machine. So even the most like simple common sense things wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't be covered and mm-hmm. talked about. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're not omniscient. We can't think of every aspect of a story all the time. And so you just yeah. kind of commonly accept this kind of thing. And and there's just like, there's just piece after piece after piece of that, of, you know, like studies that were done on prostitutes who were constantly having sex with people. And, 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 and what did they find? They found that prostitutes uh, did not have a higher AIDS rate than, than, than other people, or they were looking, you know, uh, at, at military people who, who had AIDS, who were virgins, you know, and then uh, their parents, you know, didn't have AIDS and were HIV negative. So there were all these obvious signs all mm-hmm. over the place that, that uh, AIDS was not the sexually transmitted disease that we were all terrified into thinking it was. And, it, it, and, and of course, it was a very, you know, people were suffering. I mean, people obviously, you know, had Carposi sarcoma. They had all sorts of other diseases that were very real. But mm-hmm. the government, I just, again, I just... I know you know this because you've done yeah, yeah. research, right, but I'm not Listeners sure. might know. Uh, you know mm-hmm. And, you know, the story had really been cooked up by, by Montagnier in France and then Robert Gallo at, at NIH and, and, and Fauci, who was really the, um, the circus, the ringleader of mm-hmm. this whole thing. You know, when they, the many, many, many scientists who tried to speak out, tried to speak out, they were, they were, they were destroyed by Fauci in this, mm-hmm. in this machine, which was monitoring the magazines, newspapers, medical journal, medical journals that tried to speak out, got shut down, they were destroyed. And then if, um, you know, I can tell the story in the movie about uh, Duisburg trying to, you know, be invited on the equivalent of Good Morning America in yeah. the 80s. And, you know, he's told at the last minute that, that he, um, you know, literally like an hour before he's about to go on, that he's going to uh, get pulled, that they can't cover the story anymore. Uh, and, he's, and, he, and he's sitting in his hotel room and he turns on the TV and Fauci, they, 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 <laughs> it's just it's mind-boggling. I, I, I'm still like... Well, and I, I think the biggest challenge, I was actually just talking about it with a friend earlier this morning, is that, you know, when we talk about viruses don't exist, I think people immediately go to, when you say that, they hear that people aren't getting sick. That's what they hear. And, and, uh, and I'm like, no, nobody in the viruses don't exist if you want to call it a camp or whatever, is saying that people are not sick, okay? They're not saying that. They're saying that it's not viruses or it's at least not proven that it is viruses that cause the sickness. But for some reason, we're, that's the only drawer we're looking in for the answer. So, I mean, I think that if we can somehow make that point a little bit more clearly, I think it's a little bit more digestible. But man, I think I've had this conversation with several people and they just go back to, there's this ownership of the fact that they were sick or they knew somebody that was sick. And it's like, you're, you know, it's or like, someone that died. it's That's like, you're saying one. their kid didn't die at Sandy hook. I mean, it's crazy. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm not saying you're, 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 you didn't get sick. And, and, uh, yeah, 
absolutely. I'm, I'm having a little bit of an internet question, so I'm just going to try to um, move to another spot. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. But oh, like yeah, your, po- your, your point is... Well, I do. Yeah. And, and I, I have a, a question because that was more of a statement, but my question was around genetic sequencing. You guys did one of your episodes on genetic sequencing. And uh, I remember specifically, I, I, there was one thing I was, I was hoping... To, to hear again and because I'd heard like Tom Cowan and, and, and some others talk about the, the sequence, the type of sequencing that is done. And, um, one of the big takeaways was that, you know, in this type of sequencing, they have to establish a template, meaning they have to have a target and then they're essentially fixing these pieces to the target and then seeing if they can, you know, assemble from the available pieces in the, in the sample to, to fit the template. And the point that, you know, Tom Cowan and some other, I think Andy Kaufman made and some other things was that, you know, there's enough of, of these, uh, um, gen- uh, there's enough genetic material to essentially create any, uh, genome, you know, and you, you could have the genome of a banana and you could, and, and you could, uh, uh, fill it out from pieces in that, uh, that sample. They didn't expressly say that in the documentary. And I wondered, cause that was the one thing I, w- I, I've always wanted to know more about from like people that are in the genetic field. I mean, is this literally what they're doing? They're just getting a target template but they could literally pick anything and they could, you know, m- more often than not fit these pieces to fit any template. Yeah, it's so fascinating. We talked with like Stefano Scolio. He's like a Nobel Peace Prize laureate. And it was great to hear him saying like, no, it's never been isolated. Anymore. And it was like, it was amazing to hear him say that. He's been studying like pond algae for like the last 20 years. And, like this guy's a, a, like a microbiologist. Yeah. Like, this is so if like if 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 they're gonna take this mess, this whole recipe of the isolation recipe, with many animals, it's not just snot, it's not just humans. We got monkeys, mm-hmm. cows, cow cells in there. You're gonna take all that and blend it up into real macerate it into really small pieces, and you're gonna assemble it. You can yeah, you can assemble anything you want from that. From that you can assemble like a lot of small things from that easily it's so fascinating that like these scientists like are all so smart sitting there and they can't see that you're you're taking many animals many cell um, sources and just mixing it all up and then reassembling does nobody like check these things it's really fascinating we got this far into yeah this. do a control man Not <laughs> well well and and, yeah. and I, I i to me it's the red flag that they're even using the word isolate you know what? What? Why would you use a word that has a complete different meaning than how you want to use it? Just use a different word if you're trying to be truthful. The fact that you're 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 misrepresenting a word we all think we understand, really, to me, it shows the whole grift right there. You know? Yeah, for sure. Like the scientific like method in their eyes, like you have to like historically, like if you want to say we've we've discovered graphene, for instance, I was watching studying some graphene stuff. So the guy who's, who, who uh, like got the, the, the rewards for that, got the credit for that, he said, it's, like, it's a different substance, we're going to talk about it. He said, we isolated and characterized graphene in this date. So that's the first step in science. Right. Like, mm-hmm. We have something. Here it is. That's, that's like step one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's like all of science. We can't like start, like, yeah, you're right. They, when you see a word is redefined to the opposite meaning almost. Yes. You gotta keep. You gotta keep looking at that. The opposite. So 
You go isolate at home for two weeks. Does that mean go to the mall and have a party and bring all kinds of aliens and stuff? That, that's a great, I, I, I love that's, that. I love that. That's the opposite. Because they use the isolate in the pandemic, right? I didn't even think of that. We were we've been we've been proselytized around isolation the whole pandemic, mm-hmm. and now we're 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 asked to completely give up the definition they expect us to understand when we talk about viruses. But now, you know, on, on that note, though, um, so I'm interested. You know, you you had a lot of different people in, in the the series, and it seemed to me that there were some people. That even though, you know, they were obviously integral in, in telling this story, at least I think, this is my impression, that they might still believe viruses are a thing. And so, so my question to you is, even though maybe you didn't feature those pieces in the, in the uh, documentary, did, did you actually broach, did you just broach each individual with specific topics or did you ask them, look, you know, we're really trying to get to the bottom of if viruses are a thing. We don't think they are based on what we know. And what, and, and here's the information we have, you know, like maybe let them listen to Cowan and then have them say, well, no, I disagree with Cowan because of that. Or, or am I wrong? Does everybody in the film, are they really more in the terrain camp? They're in the terrain camp, not, not in the, uh, the virus camp. Um, you know, it's a it's a great question. We almost have to take it one by one right. okay. with everyone. Um, I think that first of all, let me say that there there were people that we interviewed that believed in viruses, and I and I and and we dropped the interview. We didn't include them in the film, but really for as a face saving thing for them, right? Um, like like we could have embarrassed some people oh, really wow. easily, okay. you know, and. But just didn't really want to set that tone, yeah. Set that tone, and like that wasn't really our agenda. Our agenda was to tell a much more. Not really story. giving names. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there, I think, I think really that, and we're seeing this like all over the place right now because the more the the more the the doctors and the scientists who are trying to explain what are the foundational problems with virology, the more the that movement, the movement that we've covered, gets air. And, and airtime, the more we're seeing people really freak out about that. And it just again and again, the people who are freaking out literally just don't even understand the arguments. And they're just, it's just shocking. I mean, over, I mean, there, there are a few people who are, I think, authentically arguing it and they're trying to argue it and, and the, the other side, but the vast majority of the people who are defending the virus, uh, who are arguing or the gain of function, the gain of function. They, they just literally don't even understand what the foundational problems are and aren't really even interested in listening to it. Really? Um, that, that, that's been a, like a really like shocking thing. You're like, wow, it's, I don't know how people's identity got wrapped up in the idea of whether th- there's a virus, you know, I mean, it's like a, this scientific question that mm-hmm. is, you know, we can talk about, and we should all talk about it. We should talk about how to analyze it because how to understand these, the papers, the methodologies, how do we think about all it? It's a, it's really important epistemology, you know, I mean, yeah. I was right, a right. student in college. That was like what I studied. And these are like really profound epistemological questions. And, and they're well, not, I'm sorry. You, know, you I, we cut you off a little bit. You said that you study what in school? Philosophy of science. Okay. Just, I was lucky enough to study philosophy of science for, for like a year. And Thomas 
Kuhn wrote about this, you know, 70 years ago. And, 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 and we've, we've seen, you know, we've seen the rise of, of important epistemological questions come up in all sorts of different ways throughout history. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember like, look, I took a feminist epistemology class, right. Where we looked at, you know, to what degree was what is known about the body, a reflection of the fact that the doctors were male. Right. So like, I, I, this is just, this is really like really far off course, but in a way it's really, it's the same story, right? Is mm-hmm. that like what, what had been known, theorized, studied, tested about like how the sperm and the egg meet had all been theorized and dictated by male scientists. Right. And so it had, so what, what these feminist epistemologists were arguing was saying, well, there's all sorts of narratives about how these biological processes unfold that were assumed by men that women wouldn't assume. And that actually, if you, if you don't make those assumptions, you'll see that the, the science is clear. You can understand what's happening much more clearly. So, I mean, a, a epistemology happens all over the place and it's, it's not just, and, and so like that kind of, question, that kind of analysis actually really reshaped uh, modern biology about sexual reproduction in the 80s. As, as more female scientists came of age in the 80s, that was, that, that was a really important thing. And, and we saw the same thing with like evolutionary biology with Lynn Margulis, who was this extraordinary biologist who was looking at how, basically was, was quickly found herself uh, in a debate with a group of scientists called the neo-Darwinists who had assumed all sorts of things about how nature works, but they had started with the assumption that survival of the fittest is the, the central mechanism through which nature works. Mm-hmm. And Lynn Margulis basically completely took that apart and, and showed that um, actually biological cooperation is a much more foundational force in biology than survival of the fittest. And she wasn't saying the survival of the, of the fittest doesn't happen in you know, certain situations. That may be true, but that was not actually a driving force of the biology that she was looking at you know, in, when she went to the pond and studied the life that's in the pond, when she looked at bacteria under a microscope. But you know, so, so there's, there, there are all sorts of narratives and assumptions that get buried into research. And then, you know, thousands of researchers all over the world will do their research based on those underlying assumptions as if they've, they've been formed, they're done, they're sold, that we don't have to look at anything. Right. It's settled, exactly. yeah. But, yeah. The science is settled, you know, it's been debunked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, virology, in, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of, of most of the doctors and scientists and journalists that we spoke to, you know, that that's, that's their point. I mean, that this is an entire house of cards that's been built on, there's no foundation for it. And, and so there were, you know, the people, there were, there were a handful of people to answer your question. Um, there were, there were a handful of people who believed in mainstream virology, but who literally had never read any criticism whatsoever. So they believed in Santa Claus. They had never read anything that says Santa Claus doesn't exist. And so when you said, when I asked them questions, 
about, you know, how do you think the sleigh gets to every house? They kind of got mad and said, It's Christmas well, magic. Well, <laughs> Christmas fucking magic. And, you know, why are you asking me? You know? And you say, okay, that's, that's cool. But like, you know, how does your virology model work? And if this, 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 and that, you know, so, but then there were other, there were a number of other people who knew they knew better. They knew that, 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 that the viral mechanism, the, the claimed viral mechanism for causing disease was, you know, not what they had actually experienced. Like, like Larry Pilevsky, like mm-hmm. fabulous. I love Larry Pilevsky. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. He's, he's our family pediatrician for, for a oh, while. Wow. You know, and he was like, look, let, let me explain it to you this way. When I treated sick children who were, according to the standard medical model, uh, they didn't get better. If they got better, they got sick again in a little while. Mm-hmm. It's like if I if I treated the, the their illnesses in that way, if I if I assumed that it was a virus and so on and so on. He's like, it's only when I I enlarged my perspective and started saying and started asking the question, and and that's really what Pilevsky's so brilliant at, just asking questions. He said it was only when I started asking questions about what might be going on in their environment what might be going on with the food they're eating with what they're drinking with the air they're breathing with what's around them it was when i started asking those kinds of questions eliminating possible sources of disease from that equation that's when i saw extraordinary you know remission of disease he said that he said it was just unbelievable. It was just life changing because all of a sudden I was really helping all of these children. Mm-hmm. And, and so that led him on this just, you know, whole life path where he's been saying, I'm going to ask these questions. I, I just want to ask a lot of questions because by asking those questions, I can actually unearth real causes of disease. Now, Larry had never, well, I don't want to speak for him, but he hadn't, you know, put himself out there as saying whether or not there are viruses, whether or not viruses cause disease. But as a practitioner, he had moved way beyond that. He, yeah. he, he was, you know, like that was obviously not what he needed to look at, you know. And that's, you know, when he pointed to his own success as a practitioner, and you know, it was from not looking at that stuff and from looking at these much more foundational things. So, I mean, that that's a huge takeaway and you can, I think you could say, you know, okay, you know, he, he was willing to say, all right, let's just put that issue aside. Like, because, you know, there's, there's all sorts of etymology and, you know, what is a vi- What is the word virus mean? What's the history? When you use the word virus, does it mean what somebody else, you know, used? Does it mean the same thing from 1942, mm-hmm. from 1912, from 1860, from 1955, 19... 19- 59, like it, it, it changes, right? Yeah. It actually, the, the, but never, the, the never thing thought is that, of it that way, that it changes. Do you have some definition? Well, I mean, we, we learned during the pandemic, they changed the definition of a vaccination. You know, that the, mm-hmm. these things happen, you know, they, they add things, they elaborate, uh, that some in the form of, uh, viruses uh in in virology they've totally flipped the word isolation on its head you know so things that 
get me- messed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're constantly changing language yeah. in order to make it work for them. I mean, pandemic. It's the art of war, right? Yeah. <laughs> they think they are smarter than they are. Yeah. Yeah. During the during the interview, sometimes we'd be like, like we just let people know, hey, like we're we're making a documentary about like the virus has never been isolated. And then at that moment, he would be like, oh, oh, okay. And they would start really getting comfortable with us. A couple really? times we did that, it was nice. Well, you mean- So they yeah. didn't know? So, so you're, yeah, you're saying you didn't, you didn't well, have- we know, we knew that they were like totally with us. So, no, but I, but I meant, I meant yeah, like he, when you made the request initially, you didn't have to like tell them all, okay, this is what we want to go over. This is our angle. They, they really just kind of met uh, willingly without knowing all that or- yeah, we didn't like we didn't like scare them off too much. <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> you just said we're doing were, this um, documentary. Blanca. Okay. A lot of these voices were like silenced from every single platform and yeah, platform and not able to speak anywhere. So they were just happy to speak. A lot of the people were just happy to, to finally get to say what they wanted to say. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. But, uh, and another like um, it was there was another interview where. We're sitting there and, and we hear virus, 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 virus. And we're like, all right, wait a minute. Um, we, we're interviewing Tom and Andy and like, we talk like that. And, and we, the doctor even was able to say, um, Tom and Andy, they're probably right, but I can't tell my patients. And this is like a, like a person that's speaking truth like, to a lot of people. And they, they're, they're telling me they can't tell their patients because they might have like a family member who died from COVID. Oh, yeah. So even within like, these alternative doctors, there's like this pressure, this pressure to not break that, that, that standing like the, the, the way of life that we've been well, living by. It, 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 it's like, it's like a membership to a club, Seriously. you know, and, and, and people are like, I mean, even people that I talk about the craziness of what's going on with the government and all of that, you know, we'll just be talking about something completely off topic. And then there'll be like, Oh yeah, you know my mom got COVID is really bad, and I'm I'm like she got COVID. I mean, she really she got COVID. I mean, can we, look who you're talking to. Look who you're talking to. We can we, should we walk through this? Should we do the diagnostic <laughs> right now? You know, what did she have? What were the symptoms? What was she eating? You know, oh I don't have a clue on any of that. Oh okay, well okay, but she had COVID. So I mean, there is this um, this membership malaise that people are indoctrinated into and. I'm not even I'm not going to say that I haven't been part of that before. You know, I think I mentioned it in another because you know, we, we're a family of vaccine injury. And, you know, some people would say things about vaccines. and I'm like, oh, you didn't go through an injury. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I, I, I've been on that other side, but I think I'm, I'm aware of it when I'm doing it. And then I I come around. But I mean, so many people are just they're just loving the malaise, you know, it's. It's hard too, because I, I I was just thinking about this the other day. I haven't I didn't think about it for a while, but when I was a kid, I was probably uh, seven years old, and um, it was my grandfather's. He's a he came from Italy. He's real cultural, all the authentic foods, and uh, it's his birthday, so I'm gonna get him some presents. And I'm going to the dollar store, getting a little like knickknacks, and I get like a little toy mouse, and I put it in the bag. And he's sitting there later, and we're like, "This is my my grandfather. I looked up to like he's like my, like a role model. Like he's everything to me. He's like." funny guy and the, like strong guy and um and he, he opens this this bag with his mouse in it and he jumped out of his socks jumped and i was like oh my god and everybody's like don't do that because he's been from like he his like the plague and like he's <laughs> his, his, like heritage has been scarred what? he's an america now and he's still like the passed on fear of mice from <laughs> europe is still moving it almost moved to me 
from that moment, wow. I almost like took that up, you know? I said, whoa, he's scared of a mouse. Let me be scared of a mouse. And like this, these things that we learned behavior, we don't even think about it. We success. And, and it, it was just, it was, I thought about the whole, and I loved to do the plague episode. Well, a part of the episode was cover, we covered the plague. And that was really special to me because like, I really was curious about that. Mm-hmm. I was like, what about that one? We always were like, me and Mike were like, what about that though? And what about that? And, and yeah. they, they turned into episodes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. Episodes. No, that was so helpful because I've been wondering about the, that's, that was in the beginning of the pandemic, one of the first things that people would say, what about the Spanish flu? You know, all these people died and all this happened and you had to wear masks and you had to quarantine. You don't want that to happen again. And that happened to the young and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> so that was good to see the documentary. You guys went, you know, step by step what happened, what they were exposed to, the, the so, really helpful. So, so guys, uh, where, where are you at now? Now that this film has been put together, it's been released. And, um, you know, like, have you had any aha moments after you've gotten a lot of feedback and, or, you know, from it? Cause it, when, when did you release it? Was it April? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I mean, are you, are you guys seeing like interest is continuing to go up or we, are we, cause you know, we want to, we want to prophetize this and we, we, we want to uh, make sure people see it and whatnot. We think it's information everybody should have, even if they aren't ready to accept it. I think it's one of those things you, you, you need to, un- you need to at least have the information from the side that you're, you're, you're debating so that you kind of see where they're coming from. And so I think this is an excellent resource for that, but do you, do you have a follow-up that you guys are already planning or what, what's the, what's the plan? <laughs> I wish. Um, <laughs> I think, I think that um, there, there's a lot of really interesting things happening, but some of them are more, intellectual than they are physical. So, I mean, like, like, I think, um, like I was just on a podcast, uh, like a week ago or two weeks ago. And the guy was like a hardcore virus believer. I listened, I listened to it. What was that experience like? Yeah. Rabies, rabies, rabies. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Rabies, rabies, rabies. And it was like, it was really interesting because, um, well, first of all, he had emailed me before and okay, I'm, I'm really excited about doing this show. You know, I've been really wanting to talk about this topic, and um, and he and he emailed me all of these uh, articles that were about the lab leak hypothesis, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, making these very um, you know arcane scientific arguments as to why one should believe that that it, you know, that there was a virus that was created in a lab in in Wuhan and released on the world and um and and so i had spent i had actually spent like weeks um trying to dissect those arguments and um and i and i I love it i mean it's aside from the fact that like i have like i have like i I run a business and like i'm a dad and i'm like a husband and i'm like trying to sell my house like i actually have like a a lot of shit to do but like (laughs) you know like it's really interesting to say okay well here's this guy's you know um, this guy believes that it's a lab leak and, and let's see why, like, why does he think that? And, oh, he's got this argument that there's a segment of, um, of the, uh, sequence in the, you know, uh, claimed sequence of, of, uh, SARS-CoV-2 that matches, a a, a sequence of HIV, uh, of the claimed sequence of HIV. And so the argument was that, um, well, that, that sort of couldn't have happened by accident. And so they must have inserted an HIV 
piece of an HIV virus into a, a SARS-CoV-2 virus. So I had to do all this research and I, I, I didn't want to just like kick the uh, argument kind of down the road or, or I wanted to actually understand like, well, how could that happen? Like what's going on? And so mm-hmm. that engendered like all these really interesting conversations with um, the people that were in the documentary where I would like call them and have interesting conversations with them and hear, you know, and they would send me scientific papers and I'd have to read them and get analysis from other you know, people and we would sort of try to dissect it. And, and I think like there's a lot of progress that happens in that way. You know, that, that like, for, for like a little while, I'm like a real scientist, you know, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you're like actually doing science. You're like asking really key questions and thinking logically about important issues and, and seeing if, you know, what the different viewpoints are. And, and so I, I find that, and, and at the end of the day, I think, you know, we really had um, dissected it and could explain it and uh, in, a, in a number of different ways why that why why the gen- genomic sequencing looked like that and it has nothing to do with the lab leak it, it it's a rather long story but it and then he didn't even no ask you about any of that no but then so then I, you know <laughs> I, I get on the show and he doesn't ask a damn thing about any of that i've done like you know weeks of of research, um, research you know thinking about it and then he like brought up you know didn't just randomly bring up rabies he then Focus the entire episode on rabies, <laughs> and I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" Okay. Well, well Mike, rab- rabies is impacting us all greatly right now. So, <laughs> well, but not only that, it was so interesting. So, like after the show, I'm like, oh, "Give me a break!" Like, all right, now I gotta go do rabies research because, you know, <laughs> right. I figure I gotta figure this one out. You know? Yeah, we, we had a we, we had a uh, listener that sent us because they knew we were gonna interview. They go, they go "Oh, hey." He was he was talking about rabies. He needed some info here. Here he wanted me to supply you with some stuff. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, it's like like now. So now I've been like you know. And again, I, I have a lot of things to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I gotta train my dog. Like my dog's like on the edge of biting people. Like it's gonna take me like quite a long time just to train my dog. Like let alone do like original you know research on rabies. But I was just you know, starting off and looking at some articles on it. And, um, you know, one of the things that I found that was super fascinating is like, so what do we, like, what's the basic, what's the most basic story about rabies that you know? Like, what's, what's like, when it's, I say rabies, then like, what is that? Well, I mean, yeah. The you, dog had like. A, dog has foaming mouth. Foaming mouth. And you, then he you, bites you and then now you're going to die. Now you're going to die. <laughs> you got a fever until you now die. Now you're going to die, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. You gotta go get your shot. Gotta go get your shot. Yeah. Yeah. And then you gotta go get your rabies shot to to keep that from happening. So I'm reading this paper and I had to, I had to read this like five times as I go that uh, again, uh, I might get the numbers slightly off here. Okay. But I think this was a paper from the early two thousands and it was a doctor who's looking or scientist who's looking at all of the rabies cases in the United States in the previous 15 years in humans. Okay. And he said, interestingly, of the 22 rabies cases in humans in the last of the last 15 years, uh, strangely, only, uh, only four of them, uh, was there any, uh, animal bite whatsoever? Whoa, what? <laughs> so you, but- so 18 of the last, uh, 18 of, of, the 22 cases of rabies that happened from like 1980 
to like 1995 or 1985 to 2000 or whatever the last like 15 years of rabies cases of the 22 cases only four of them was there any known animal bite involved that is crazy the other animal the other cases were theorized animal bites despite the fact that the patient had clearly stated they had not been bitten by any animal whatsoever. Whoa. <laughs> they said, okay, but just in case we're going to put rabies in. Anyway. Well, we're, we're going to call it a, we're going to call it a bat fight. That's what they decided. They decided to just You were probably sleeping when it happened. Yeah. You know, the, the bat probably flew away. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what they said. That's exactly what they That's said. That, oh, these people must have been bitten by bats without knowing that mm -hmm. they were bitten. Who gets bitten? Without and that's like the mo the, the majority of the patients. Yeah. But you but you want to know you want to know a story. We had a bat in the house, our previous house, and and uh, it caught it caught me and cornered me. And I will be honest with you, just because of the programming, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. The, this was during the pandemic, or no, actually, no, it was not during the pandemic. It was before the pandemic, and and just because of the programming, I'm like, oh crap, do I need to go get some? You know what I mean? Even though yeah. I'm just saying the programming is real. You know? Oh yeah, it's, it's real. And, and and it does and and that's not to say that there aren't, you know, um potential toxins that can be picked up that, that or 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 even potential toxins in nature. I mean, if a venomous snake bites you, it's dangerous. Like let's not, yeah. you know. Right. We're not saying that there aren't Threats. toxic yeah. things out there in the world, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But the the story that we're told um time and time and time and time again is it just doesn't add up. It doesn't add up when you actually read the literature and, and you say, okay, that's the Santa Claus story. Let's find out the real story. Let's, mm -hmm. let's act. And it's so much more interesting. Like science is so much more interesting. It, it's, now, it's so cool. What would you, you say know? to people? And we have explored that before in the podcast, even interview some people and they just felt like, well, we're just going to leave this to the experts because even if we read the paper, we wouldn't understand it. What would you say to people in that situation? I mean, did you have that thought before you you began the process, and then when you got into it, you were surprised at how much you could you could comprehend? Or yeah, I remember I remember reading those papers and like they start off they're really complicated at first. They like start off and they tell you the word they'll tell you the word, and then the rest of the paper is just abbreviation, just like eo, just like two letters. You're like oh wait, I have to go back to the beginning now. Just wait, and there's more letters. The whole sentence is now in code. <laughs> I gotta go back to the beginning to get the key. I gotta decipher this code. Uh -huh. It's a little complicated there, but you can do it. I, I would like, I would really, I would this documentary to show, like, you can do it. Everybody can figure out, like, you can, you can keep it simple too. Um, like, oh, you say there's a, like, you, oh, you say there's a virus. Can you bring it in front of me? Can you show it to me? Can you tell me what it was made of? How did you get to that? And if you keep it there, you keep it right at the beginning. Like, don't get into, like, you don't have to keep going down. Yeah. Like, you don't have to debate the if, findings. If the, first, if the first part is false, and everything after that is. Yeah, up, yeah, yeah. It, it falls over. Mm -hmm. So just if I stay, if you stay at the beginning, and Tom Cowan's great for this, like it's just he it's is just, it's just like metaphorical and like just real simply put. Um, he's got so many metaphors you can just like yeah. go back. You blow a hole in the boat, you don't have to take a ride on it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man. But yeah, it's I try to keep it simple at the beginning, and uh, just keep it there at the beginning. 
No, and we we learned we and we learned that you know like like you said, Mike, around having to do the research around vaccines. You know, once we had the vaccine injury and we we you know went off on it and we we looked at it because you know, we were having more kids after our firstborn, and so we had to make you know decisions around that. So we wanted to really understand that in and out. And Pabby did. I mean, it would have been better if we did it before. <laughs> would have been better if we did it before, but we we didn't. We learned and our lesson. And even asked the doctor, and I think that that there is a a great level of you not trusting yourself because there you have an authority figure and I've been kicked out of pediatrician's office by just asking the question, you know, or asking to see the insert or asking way. Um, but you know, you're like, well, they went to school, they have this practice, so they must know more than I do, you know, and just, let's just do this, you know? And if I had trusted myself and if I had, you know, done the research, we would be in a different situation today, but you know, you live, you learn. Yeah. And we wouldn't have this podcast. We wouldn't have this podcast. We wouldn't be doing what we're doing if we hadn't learned that lesson the way we learned it. So everything works out kind of the way it's supposed to. But uh, guys, how can we, uh, how can our listeners and us, how can we support you in this effort? How can they find your documentary? I I did, I did notice, uh, and maybe I I just, I, I couldn't figure it out, but, but I didn't see like a like a social media presence around the film or anything. Uh, I, I mean, uh, what are, what's going on, guys? Are you trying not to have people watch this? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> We're trying. Man. We're trying to out. Um, it's hard. It's hard to like you know like uh, again. I've told this story a bunch of times, but like I put out a press release for yeah. the film, you know, and um, I was called back by the press release company like ten minutes later. Um, I'm so sorry. We we will not. We, we cannot issue this press release, you know, like, like somebody, some, some, somebody at the press release, there's only one, it's called PR Newswire. It's the only sort of major way to put out a press release in the country. And it goes out to a hundred thousand journalists okay. and, um, you know, they, they go out all the time, you know, whatever, like blah, blah, blah. Coca-Cola's got a new flavor, like blah, 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 you know, hats <laughs> are now square, like blah, 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 you know, like da, 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 da. And, and then, but like in 10 minutes, PR Newswire uh, called to say that uh, they could not uh, put out the press release because they could not, you know, uh, verify its veracity. You know, all, all it said was there is a, a new documentary out and in which doctors and scientists say, you know, this, this, and that, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's nothing to verify. Does the documentary exist? Yes, it does. <laughs> is it coming out on April 21st? Yes, it's coming out on April 21st. You know, you're like, what the hell are they, what, what did they analyze in, 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 I mean, it must've taken them a minute to call me. So in nine minutes, you know, like what, what scientific, you know, literature review did PR Newswire do, you know, to, to uh, say that, I don't know, I, I, you know, like, what fucking planet are they? You know? <laughs> and like, so, but yeah, we're trying, like, but you know, still tons of people are checking it out, which is the film, which is amazing. You know, I put, we put a, I put a new trailer out because there were so many like good, so much incredible feedback, like blown, like, like, like warms your heart, like so awesome. Like just people are like, this is the, like literally like, it's so odd. Like people are like, this is literally the greatest documentary I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, like, oh my God, this is the most important documentary of all time. Yeah. yeah. I'm constantly getting these emails. Like, it's so cool, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then, so we put out a new trailer that says, like, it just shows, like, boom, bam, bam. Like, this is an amazing documentary. You should check it out. You know, like, wow. <laughs> like, you know, hustling, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and like, 
I, and I was like, I'm going to buy a Facebook ads, you know? <laughs> and then like, I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'll, you know, whatever. And then like immediately got shut down, you know, oh immediately got shut down. I, I'm going to put this on YouTube, just the trailer immediately got shut down. Off you. So tell people about the documentary series. <laughs> it's cool. You know, it's so easy to see it. You just go to theviraldelusion.com. That's awesome. And you can see it. And it's free. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Free. Well, we mentioned that uh, at the beginning when I did your bio, I said, you know, the, the first episode, which is about two and a half hours, right? Mm-hmm. That That's uh, free. And then if you decide you want to go in depth on some of the topics that uh, you guys discussed in that first episode. Which are phenomenal topics. You, you've got the rest of them available for eleven ninety nine, which uh, I think the other, because there's four other episodes, is that right? The five total. Yeah. So the four yeah. other, I think one of them's a couple hours and the other uh, three are about an hour each or so, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. But yeah, no, it was very Great good. value. Great yeah. investment. Yeah, I mean, hell, we... The future we, of mankind. We, we bought the truth about vaccines. Man, that was like, those, those guys want a lot of money. Hundreds <laughs> of dollars. <laughs> they won't even write me back. Like, I've really? No emails. Like, Come on, guys. Help me distribute this doc. Like, we're getting the most incredible... Like, I get these emails. I put them out, like, from, like, people who worked in virology labs and biochemists. And they're like, yeah, I just saw your movie. It's amazing. Like, I, I, I totally agree. I just... I haven't been able to say anything because I can get fired, you know? Like, that, <laughs> right. That's so cool. Like, wow. You know, this guy just wrote me from Shanghai. He's like, I just... You know, I'm, I'm, I've been doing, you know, uh, years and years and years of vaccine research. I'm a, I'm a PhD in, in uh, political economy and I'm studying political economy vaccine research. He's like, this, this, you've nailed it. You've absolutely, you know, and, but like, it's just like, we're trying, we got to get it. Like, we're just trying to get eyeballs on it. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just, you know, it's a, there's a lot, I mean, thankfully there's a lot of interesting content out there. There's, so it's hard, you know, you're trying to, you know, say, Hey, maybe it's worth it. And, you know, I think like in, in response to your earlier question, like, is the science really hard to read? Like, is it, is it, yeah. I mean, but like, if you were, you know, in the 1400s, like Latin in the Catholic church is really hard to read, but like if somebody just came along and called you a witch and said, I have proved it in this treatise, you know, from the monastery, <laughs> you know, Burgundia or whatever, you would fucking learn Latin. Right, you know, like, right. right. You're going to learn it. You're gonna, like, no, I'm not a witch. Like, yeah. What are you talking about? And, and you know, the, the government is, is, is basically saying, like, each and every one of us is a walking disease vector that must be controlled. Yes. And, um, and they assert the only, the right to, to, uh, to verify that claim, to talk about that claim, uh, and to you know reorder our entire society based on that claim. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a little hard to learn how to read these papers, but they're right there. So it's it's you know our lives are on the line. Yeah, yeah, our lives. And, are and that's the point. And our I, children's. That's the point I I was making. You know, a lot of people are like, well, I mean, who has time for all this? I was like, well, I mean, if you have to think about what this one of the single most important. Uh, things we're all going through is, you know, this is affecting the whole world. It's not just affecting the United States or just affecting Brazil. It's affecting the whole world. So if there's something we've got to know, this is it. You know, I mean, I I can't think of anything more blatant than understanding the ins and outs of this and being able to speak intelligently about it. So if you're listening, go check out the Viral Delusion 
documentary.com. We are going to share that in the show notes. Uh, if there's any other way we can support you guys, let us know. And if you ever want to come on again, if 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 uh, if something pops up, then just just let us know. We'd love Future to have Future project. It. We are here for you to support this amazing work you guys are doing. Thank right. you guys. Thank you very much. It's awesome to be able to do this and talk to you guys about it. All right, guys. Well, enjoy the rest of your evening. Okay. Thank you. Bye. All right, Fabi, another fantastic episode. I mean, um, did you have any takeaways there? I mean, the takeaways is that anybody, if they are interested enough, you know, they can, if you are being called out as a, a disease to the planet, you know, it's important that you find the power and the strength that you have in you to go and do your own research, ask questions. Not no. just take the CNN's word for it. Well, and I think to their their point, you know, about the censorship and everything, you know, we're, we're going to have to tell each other about these resources, you know, because yeah. it, it's not going to be something that's we're just going gonna, back to word of mouth. It, it's not going to be something that's just going to show up in your feed. Yeah. You know, you got to be willing to, to, to talk to your mom and your dad or your brother and your sister um, you know, and, and say, Hey, you know, this is important. Uh, this is, if, if you think that what's going on because of the pandemic is as serious as at least appears that you do, then you owe it to yourself to at least have this counter argument so that you're looking for cues that would tell you that what's going on is not on the, the level. It's not on the up and up. And so, mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't hard. I mean, I thought it was interesting. You know, you you don't even necessarily need to see all seven hours of it, even if you just watch that to it. I think what's going to happen. But I felt like the seven hours were totally worth it. You know, I, I agree. But 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 I, I think what, what happens is, is if you watch the two and a half hours that they give you for free and there isn't something that grabs you and says, hey, I want to know more about that thing. Mm-hmm. I just think that's going to happen. And, you mm-hmm. know, $11.99, I mean, you spend that much at lunch. Yeah, you know and if I mean. you want to continue the conversation, follow us on Telegram at yeah, the Collective Resistance Podcast. We're also uh, have Twitter at uh, at TCRP twelve. Um, again, just kind of letting people know when when new episodes come out and whatnot. But uh, join the conversation where you can, and uh, thank you for for listening. And yes. Okay, God, I just can't get that right sometimes. Fabi, what do you want to tell everybody? Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us this season. We'll see you in a few weeks. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay curious.